Well, hello, everybody. Thank you for joining and listening to the Film Survivor Podcast. This is your host, Tom Santilli, uh, and you are listening to the Cinetopia edition of the Film Survivor Podcast today. Uh, what is Cinetopia, you ask? Well, I'm glad that you asked that question. If you stay tuned to this podcast, uh, you're going to know all about it. <laughs> We're going to be talking to two people that are key players in the in the uh, Cinetopia Film Festival. Uh, the CEO and founder of the film festival, Russ Collins, and I'm going to be joined by him as well as Caitlin Drizwecki, uh, who is the festival director. Uh, the Cinetopia Film Festival is June 1st through June 11th, and it's in southeast Michigan, uh, but it's a really unique film festival, and we're going to be talking about all kinds of film, and I also picked their brains on some other things that you might find interesting. So that's coming up in just a few minutes. Uh, but I wanted to also just uh, put a thank you out there to everybody so far. Uh, this is about the 15th podcast that we've done officially. And uh, up till now, we've been covering Survivor, of course, uh, the greatest reality TV competition show in the history of the planet, as everybody knows. But uh, Survivor just ended season 34. Uh, we got through Survivor uh, season 34 Game Changers. And uh, I want to thank everybody who uh, stuck with me and listened to this growing podcast throughout the season. And uh, don't fear, this podcast is going to be all about film. It's going to be all about Survivor. So as new, uh, in, you know, new information comes out on season 35 that's coming up in the fall, uh, I'm going to be all over it. So we're going to talk Survivor off and on. Uh, and when there isn't Survivor news going on, we're going to be talking about film. And then even when there is Survivor news going on, we're going to be talking about film and Survivor. So if you are not a Survivor fan and you happen to be listening to this, uh, what's wrong with you? And why are you not a Survivor fan? What's happening there? <laughs> Check out the show. It's uh, it's one of the greatest uh, reality TV shows out there. I'm biased, of course, but it is. It just is. Uh, but anyway, you know, even if you don't want to listen to Survivor stuff, there's going to be a lot of film stuff here. But throughout the summer uh, and really throughout the future of the podcast – I got all kinds of stuff coming at you. Uh, we got lots of interviews like today with key film people, people in the industry. We're going to be talking to other movie critics. We're going to be talking to celebrities from time to time uh, and just have a lot lined up. Just so you know, I am the national film critic for Access.com. And uh, I'm also a member of the BFCA, which is the Broadcast Film Critics Association. Uh, they're the group, we, we're the group that puts on the Critics' Choice Awards uh, every year on television. Uh, so that's kind of a big deal, and I'm, I'm very happy to be a part of the BFCA. Uh, I'm also in the Detroit area. I'm on uh, two television shows, if you check it out. In syndication, there's a show called Movie Show Plus, and I'm, I'm the film critic on that show. And I also appear uh, weekly on Fox 2 in Detroit on the show Critically Speaking, with host Lee Thomas, who's, uh, as everybody knows in Detroit, is one of the biggest uh, you know, entertainment TV personalities around. Uh, he's been a film critic for several, several years, and it's an honor to be a part of, of, his, of his show every week. It's a 30-minute show. If you're in the Detroit area, you can check it out every Friday, 6.30, uh, following the news, and also on Saturday mornings at 9.30. There's also a Facebook page for Critically Speaking, so even if you don't live in the Detroit area, uh, you can check out the show. It's Critically Speaking on Facebook. So just check out Facebook, uh, find the page, follow it, and you can check out me and uh, the new episodes of the show. It's really cool. A lot of fun. So, yeah, so I'm just going to plug also really quick, you know, my Twitter, at Tom Santilli. Check that out. My website, TomSantilli.com. 
that's where you can find all of my Survivor and movie coverage. But because I am a critic, uh, you know, we're going to be talking movies here. And uh, just so you know, too, my philosophy as a critic is not really to function as somebody who recommends uh, movies to you. I think you should see what you want to see. I think, uh, you know, you probably do that already without me commenting on it. But just go check out whatever you want to see. But what I love doing is talking about movies. I like discussing movies with people who have seen the movies. So oftentimes what I might do on this podcast is I might, in advance, point you to my written movie reviews on access.com, you know, where let's say we have movies coming out this weekend. You know, I'm going to let you know kind of what's happening this weekend. But usually when we talk movies on the show, uh, on this podcast, we're going to be talking about stuff that just maybe came out this past week. Uh, I'm going to give you a chance to have seen it. Hopefully uh, you're a movie lover, you watch the movies, and then we can kind of discuss certain things on the show here. Whenever there are any kind of deep spoilers, I'll let you know, and uh, and we'll go from there. And again, we'll just kind of see how this thing goes, but th- this show is going to be much more than just movie reviews, and uh, it's going to be a lot more than that. And again, like today, we have uh, two people joining me that we're going to talk about Cinetopia. So lots of cool stuff here. Uh, but let's get into it. The interview again. This is uh, Russ Collins and Caitlin Drezwecki. They are again the uh, Russ is the CEO and founder of Cinetopia Film Festival, and Caitlin is the film festival director. So uh, here is my interview with uh, both of them about the film festival Cinetopia. All right. So Caitlin and uh, Russ, uh, thank you for joining me here on the Film Survivor Podcast. Thank you so much for having us. Uh, it's a pleasure. Thanks. Yeah. Thank you so much. <laughs> So I, as we speak, um, Cinetopia starts June first. I know, which is just around the corner. Uh, what's it like in the in the days leading up to something like this? You know, you know, Russ, you're the CEO. Uh, Caitlin, you're the festival director. You know, what is what is it? Um, you know, what what's your days like right now? <laughs> well, they're very hectic. Yeah, especially <laughs> Caitlin. <laughs> they're a bit chaotic, um, but it's a lot of fun. Right now, everyone's kind of in. They are in go mode. Everyone is. Firing on all octane on all cylinders, I guess would be the right term, right? With no. full octane cool. on all cylinders. Yeah, we're go, we're going we're going pretty fast and um, pretty furious right now. But um, I mean, it's this is really when the team kind of gets together and we're as much as everything is really crazy and chaotic. Everyone is totally understanding of that, and sure. we all have a lot of fun while we're running around here trying to make sure we get all the program guides, we have all the signs we need. We, it, you know, one of the big things is uh, making sure we have all the movies as well. So. Right. We're constantly checking our FedEx tracking to make sure we have everything coming in. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of funny to think about that the, the logistics, the mm-hmm. festival logistics are really intense. You have, we have uh, uh, about two dozen venues uh, when you add them all up um, that, wow. we, that we have to pay attention to. Uh, and each one of them needs to get movies and the projectors all have to work and the volunteers have to show up and the staff has to show up and the filmmakers have to show up. Mm-hmm. And anyway, it's, these are the boring logistics yeah. that uh, you, you really don't want to talk to customers about because they're <laughs> yeah. there for the excitement of the movie, for the excitement of the festival environment and that kind of thing. But, uh, yeah, that we're all bogged down in that kind of reality. <laughs> but we're also excited. Sure. Uh, and one of the things that happens at a festival is you do – you. You know, as as a festival staff member or a key volunteer, you get exhausted as the festival goes on. 
but the exhilaration at the end can be uh, all can be totally worth it in terms of that payoff kind of dynamic. That sure. you know you've you've had uh, thousands and thousands and thousands of people that have seen movies that they wouldn't normally see, that have experiences that they wouldn't normally have, and uh, and and that you've had a hand in, in providing those experiences, and that's exciting and and energizing all at the same time. <laughs> the average film uh, goer, yeah, does not know what goes into these kinds of things. So I, I definitely envy both of you and what you're what you're putting together, what you're trying to pull off here. Um, let's start way back at the beginning, though. Um, can can one of you guys just give me some give people background as to uh, what is Cinetopia? Uh, you know what? Uh, how did it start? Where did it come from? What is it? Well, Caitlin uh, uh, lives in Detroit and had a, a vision. She's a longtime volunteer with um, uh, and staff member at the Sundance Film Festival. Uh, and she's been thinking about uh, an international film festival uh, of scale in the Detroit metropolitan area for a long time. Sweet. Yeah, um, every time I went to Park City, went to Sundance or any other festivals, I'd come back and I'd have people that were so excited about the movies that I saw, and they were, they were like, why can I do that? I'm like, you totally can do that. <laughs> but obviously I understand that people can't take two weeks off or a week off or even a few days to travel to Utah or Toronto or of uh, California, for that matter. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking people are really interested in seeing movies, independent cinema, here in Michigan. We have to do something like that here. People were so excited um, about some of the movies that we were bringing in, and uh, absolutely at the Michigan Theater with some of the great, great films that we brought in here. Mm-hmm. Um, people talking about it and just getting people excited. It's like, oh yeah, we need to get get this going somehow, some way, and. Russ also had that vision as well um, here at the Michigan Theater to do it. And well, I've been on the panel of several, the juries of several um, uh, film festivals around the country, um, and the Michigan Theater has a special relationship with the Sundance Film Festival as well. So I've worked a lot of festivals, gone to a lot of festivals, and if you think about it, pretty much every city of any reasonable size in the world almost Mm -hmm. has a film festival, an international film festival. And what I mean by that, it's a a festival that focuses on feature-length films. Of course, there's short films that are shown, but the majority of the project, the the, the product, the majority of things that people go to are the feature-length films. And they're films that are drawn from uh, all over the world. And uh, as we looked around, there were just dozens and dozens, even hundreds of films that weren't being shown in the Detroit metropolitan area because there wasn't this film festival of of a scale. Hmm. And so uh, um, getting together with uh, Caitlin uh, and and lots of other really enthusiastic Mm -hmm. folks that uh, thought about doing a film festival, we said, well, let's give this a try. Now, one of the things that I had observed for you know, of two decades of observing film festivals, is they hardly ever happen right away. Uh, you can't go out to the store and buy film festival powder, <laughs> add water, and have an instantly huge film festival. Sure. It really takes decades to build, really. Sure. Um, but usually, it, it seems like it takes about ten years or so for a festival to really find its footing. Um, and so we knew that we needed to make a long-term commitment to this. And so if you look at the Traverse City Film Festival, if you look at the Sundance Film Festival, if you look at the Cleveland Film Festival, the Chicago Film Festival, all the, the Toronto Film Festival, all of these festivals took quite a while to build. And the reason for that, I think, is that the, re- the way a customer, the way the audience goes to a film festival is much different than how you normally go to a film. Mm-hmm. So normally you go to a film expecting to like the film the 
before you see it. Would you say that that's kind of true of yourself? Yeah, you're predisposed to kind of, I mean, as a critic, I see everything, unfortunately, <laughs> sometimes. Yeah. But uh, yeah, yeah, I think most audience members are kind of predisposed to, you know, they, they pick a movie to go see because they think that they're going to like it. There's something about it that already appeals to them. So you kind of already have the hook in their mouth, so to speak, you know, before right. it starts. The, the genre or a director or an actor or right. type of film that you, that you, that you think you're going to like before you go there. Well, in any kind of festival setting, whether it's a film festival or a music festival or a technology festival, the great thing about those kind of things um, is discovering new artists, new voices, new yes. things that you're that you're that you that you're going to become become passionate about. And so, the notion of telling someone to go, well, you know, opening night is the Sam Elliott film, uh, okay. and if you like Sam Elliott. And, and you like that kind of family drama kind of thing, then you'll probably like it. It's the kind of film that a lot of uh, film uh, goers that go to the Michigan Theater would like. Mm -hmm. um, however, the next day we have this documentary on McLaren, who's a supercar and Grand Prix car designer, um, and that's going to be the premiere opening uh, at the Henry Ford. But it, it's, it's the kind of film that someone that goes to see The Hero, the Sam Elliott mm -hmm. film, may not think that that's what they'd particularly like to go see a, a, a documentary on a supercar designer. Um, but if you, if you have a festival pass and you stumble into that, you might find that that's your favorite film in the whole mm -hmm. festival. Right, exactly. Because it's like, wow, oh, I'm not really into cars, but that was a great yes, story yeah. about a really mm -hmm. interesting guy. Um, or there's this film called Columbus, and it's about Columbus, Indiana. It's another family drama, but it's set in this uh, in this beautiful community in Columbus, Indiana, that, that has this really interesting architectural context. Mm -hmm. And so that architectural context and the family drama all play out in the same place. And it's a beautiful, fascinating <laughs> thing. And it's, it's something you kind of have to stumble across. And that's what's so great about festivals, is just kind of going from one thing to the next. I know at Sundance, uh, Caitlin mm -hmm. gets to, I mean, she she's a, a theater manager there, mm -hmm. so she just sees movie after movie after movie at this theater, and, it, and mm -hmm. she doesn't even get to choose it. And I bet you've seen a lot of films that you wouldn't think that you had any interest in, but you just love it. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's part of it. There's so many directors out there. I couldn't pronounce some of their names and some of their films, but stumbled across them. Their names are harder to say than Joswicki. It's harder than Joswicki, <laughs> and it's crazy to say. But um, there's an Iranian director that I discovered at Sundance, and his film still sticks in my mind. It's one of the first things that I saw 10 years ago. And it's it's called Fat Shaker, and it's still one of the best, weirdest, <laughs> most, I don't know, just unusual films I've ever seen. And I, it, every day I think about it pretty yeah. much. And, <laughs> you know, and, for example, Iran has a great film history and film sure. culture, mm -hmm. despite all of the the political and religious mm -hmm. strictures on it. They have this very passionate film culture. Not every, not every... Um, not every country does, but Iran does, and, mm -hmm. and that's one of those things you can discover at a film festival, like, I had no idea that the Polish films were mm -hmm. such a big thing, and, and Poland is this great film country now, yeah. you know. Um, it, it, it's it's uh, it's so surprising. Like, that's the best part about film for me is the surprise that you get. That the 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 what you're not anticipating. You know, it, it's one thing to anticipate, like we talked about already, like the, you know that actor or the director that I already like. But it's when you go there and you're surprised by something, you're hit emotionally by something that you weren't expecting. That's really where I think like the magic of film uh, happens. Oh yes, we've got totally. 
Yeah. Totally agree with you. We got this film called Fanny's mm -hmm. Journey, which oh, yeah. is showing in a lot of Jewish film festivals, but it's really this compelling tale of a young woman, I think she's 11 years old, this girl, mm -hmm. um, who uh, ends up being the, the person that when adult leadership fell away because they were escaping um, the, the, the Nazi um, imposition of the terrible things that the Nazis imposed uh, during World War II, um, and she ends up being the, this kind of unlikely candidate to be, you know, at, at the beginning of the movie, to be the leader of kids. So these kids are leading kids mm. to where it is that they need to go for wow. safety. Uh, and and it's just it's a you know fabulous performances by kids, which is kind of a surprise. Mm -hmm. And then a, a very compelling story based on a, a fact, but you know, a, on a true story. But the true story doesn't matter as much as the very compelling way that this movie and these performances are put together. Fanny's Journey, I think, is one of those things that if you stumbled into, it's got no-named actors that yeah. you would know, mm -hmm. um, uh, but but you're just going to be blown away by it. So it's good to be open-minded, obviously, going into these film festivals as an audience-goer, um, but at the same time, you know, film festivals, for somebody who's never been to one, uh, it might kind of feel daunting. You know, there's a, tons of films, they're across multiple venues, what what kind of advice would you give to a first time uh, you know film festival goer as to how to best experience uh, a Cinetopia and a film festival in general? Well, I think Russ touched on it a little bit with um, and kind of being ready for that surprise. So that's what we always tell people. Like as much as you, you know, you really want to go into things that you've already seen it. You you things that you're comfortable with. Festivals are a place where you can stretch out a little bit and really kind of go go to places that and see movies that you weren't quite going to see in the first place um, because what you can do is, especially if you get a pass, um, if you are in 15 minutes in one movie and you're like, you know what, I really am not liking it, you can go ahead and leave mm -hmm. and try out a different movie because we have venues set up and we have place and screenings set up all the time that you can easily pop into another movie and then go into another and try something else out. There's so, two documentaries. There's yeah. a good example of it. There's two documentaries that are curatorial team just loved, 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 loved. One of them is called Bugs, okay. yep. and the other one is called Rats. <laughs> and, and um, you know, I've talked to, uh, to folks about these, and I said, look, you know, the, the Bugs one is about the fact that a lot of cultures around the world use insects as a, as a very important means of protein. Mm -hmm. wow. And insects also are very effective machines at converting their environment into the proteins that become bugs and then consequently part of the diet of other animals, and including human beings. And so it's about, this, uh, it's about this cuisine opportunity, this dietary opportunity with mm -hmm. bugs, and it's, it's told with a, with a sense of humor, uh, and, 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 but it's about bugs. Yeah. And, and, and that's one of those ones that you, you go, okay, well, I'm going to give this a try, and, you know, but if you're just too creeped out by bugs, then you can go to the, the next film. The other one uh, about rats is essentially a, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a social commentary um, it, it's a it's a documentary film about the nature of rats, but it's also um, you know which there are bad things about rats and there are good things about rats in terms of you know creatures, um, uh, but it's also a social commentary about you know rats in a society and what they mean to a society, huh. um, and 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 it's. Um, it, it's also one of those films that you could get into it and go, oh, my God, I can't believe how fascinated I am about rats. <laughs> sure, yeah. absolutely. You've got a pass. 
But if you're just creeped out by it after you've watched it for 15 minutes, you can just go to the next movie. <laughs> yeah. And that's just to accept. The same thing happens with, there's a film called Tribal Justice, which is, you know, it's, the screenings are co-sponsored by the Michigan Supreme Court and the Washtenaw County Courts, and, and uh, this judge by the name of Tim Connors really advocated that we show this film, and we saw it, and we loved it. And it's about um, the judicial system that operates in some of the tribal courts uh, around the country and the, um, the Native American wisdom that's used in these courts that seem to be able to create a better rehabilitation dynamic, which, you know... But that could be the kind of film that you get into it and you're just not quite set for that a, a, a documentary about legal processes and you decide that you're going to go to a, a, you know, a, 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 a film about a couple who decides that they're going to overcome their relationship problems by forming a band <laughs> yeah. called Band-Aid. And, oh, wow. and, uh, and anyway, as a festival goer, as a film fan, you know exactly what we're talking about. Absolutely. And what I also love about uh, film festivals is it's not just, you know, it's a gathering of, of people who love movies, um, but it's also not just about watching movies. Um, you guys also have some other kinds of things happening, right? Aren't there, like, panel discussions or, or some of the, these kind of uh, secondary things happening at the festival oh, as well? absolutely. So we have a few panels, um, but then one of our big goals um, with our festival is to always have some sort of representation of the film um, at each of the screenings. Cool. So... Um, this year we have a scholar talking about, um, his name is Herb Boyd. He's going to be talking about James Baldwin with the documentary I Am Not Your Negro. Great film. Which is a totally different perspective. For the opening night, The Hero, mm -hmm. um, we have a composer of the film, Keegan DeWitt, who will be talking about the music of wow. the movies. He's also done um, the composition for um, Golden Exits as well this year. So we've got two movies, and we have one composer coming in to talk about that process, which is another thing that we haven't um, stepped into with Cinetopia yet this year. And music, as you know, as a film critic, is mm -hmm. the great stealth aesthetic oh, of cinema. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it, it's so very effective, uh, affecting, but audiences sometimes are just kind of um, uh, either blasé or... or or are, are not tapped into the fact that the music has having such a strong effect on the way that they perceive the movie. Exactly, and if they do it wrong, that's when people notice it as being right. manipulative You're or something. Right. <laughs> and not so much when they do it right. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and then our, also our panel discussions, um, we have one that's behind the scenes talking about um, film distribution. Um, we also we're working with Ira Deutschman on the University of Michigan um, Symposium for Makers and Mavericks. Mm -hmm. um, so lots of panels talking about behind the scenes, how, how does a movie get marketed? How, how does it get out there to the public? And yeah, people don't realize that there are hundreds and thousands and tens of thousands of new movies that are made every year, mm -hmm. and only a few dozen of them make it into their um, horizon of something that they might think that they would like to go see. So how do you get from tens of thousands of films that are made uh, around the world to the you know, few dozen that uh, actually hit your um, horizon that, that you might be interested to see. And this Ira Deutschman um, is a fascinating guy. The University of Michigan has an archive called Makers and Mavericks, and it has um, uh, Alan Rudolph and, and John Sayles and Robert Altman and uh, Orson Welles and lots of other, Nancy Savoca and lots of other filmmakers that have donated their archives. So if wow. you want to know anything about Robert Altman, <laughs> career, 
from a firsthand, you know, Robert Altman touched the stuff, the place that you're going to get it is at the University of Michigan. Um, if you want to find out how John Sayles puts a film together based on uh, his archives, the only place you can get that is at, at the University of Michigan archive. So those are all filmmakers. Ira Deutschman is this film marketer, film distributor, mm -hmm. who has worked with all of the people in the, in the uh, ma ma Makers and Mavericks archive except Orson Welles. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, um, he, uh, he donated his archive because his archive is a link between the filmmaker who's made the film and the audiences that see the film and how the deals get made, how marketing uh, schemes are put together, um, how uh, business relationships are formed uh, with wow. the distributors and with the filmmakers uh, so, that, so that audiences can actually be connected to these uh, great works of art that we know as cinema. And Ira Deutschman is a super smart guy, a very personable guy. He's going to be here for the entire symposium and most of the festival, actually. Mm -hmm. wow. um, and we are, we're very excited to have Ira here. He's been a, a moderator and a film introducer mm -hmm. uh, for the last couple years. Um, but we're very excited the University of Michigan is celebrating uh, his career and his expertise and his uh, deep relationship with all of these filmmakers with the symposium on June 5th and 6th, which is free and open to the public. Um, and, and there's a display at the Rackham Graduate School. So as you said, these are the kind of special things that go on at film festivals yeah, that yeah. you just don't get every day when you go to the movies. Mm -hmm. And Absolutely. And you guys also talked a little bit about the distribution process. And I know this can be an entirely whole other podcast. <laughs> um, but I'd be, <laughs> I'd be curious to know your opinions also. You know, the big kind of buzz in the industry over the past year or two years or, you know, further back than that even, uh, has been the future of the industry in terms of uh, streaming content versus you know the in theater experience uh what are you, what are your guys's take on this shift towards uh streaming is this making it easier for independent films to be found or is this making it harder well <laughs> you stumbled into something yeah. that i've put a lot of thought into <laughs> fantastic um, so for the last 50 years there's been stories in the media about the eminent demise of theatrical movie going. Mm -hmm. You've probably seen some of those. Absolutely. <laughs> um, and uh, that would be okay if the data supported it, <laughs> but um, the data doesn't support the eminent demise of theatrical exhibition, and it doesn't really support um, the notion that uh, having more channels are going to mean that more people connect to movies. Mm -hmm. um, and there's a, there's a couple of reasons for that. Um, but uh, there was a huge contraction in the theatrical exhibition market that happened, and it happened between 1948 and 1964. Um, and that's when television uh, were being bought in large quantities by the general public. Mm -hmm. And so we went from a situation in 1948 where not very many people had televisions. They were very expensive. They were very strange uh, kind of home devices uh, to the fact that starting in 1948, they started to be accepted in large quantity, which grew and grew and grew throughout the 1950s. But by 1964, we seem to have reached a new market equilibrium in terms of the amount of things that people watch at home and the amount of things that people go to theaters to watch. So the contraction that took place between 1948 and 1964 is in 1948, movie attendance peaked at 
um, just under 5 billion admissions a year in the United wow. States. And in 1964, a new uh, normal was set with movie, uh, movies uh, seen at theaters uh, at being just under 1 billion. So basically 20% wow. of the that attended movies in 1964 had attended movies in 1948. So 80% of the audience had migrated to television. Wow. Well, since 1964, a movie, movie attendance, the long trend of movie attendance has been to increase over time. Now, it increases with population and actually a little bit lower than the population growth. Okay. So movie admission, on average, is about 1.3 billion admissions a year in the United States. Um, and uh, when, when you read these articles about the movie industry at theaters going to hell, what's happened is it's dipped below that 1.3. Mm -hmm. And when you hear there's been a huge resurgence in the, in the movie attendance uh, uh, on a yearly basis, it means that it's just a above that 1.3 billion admissions. <laughs> But as, um, uh, as more and more channels for movie uh, ex experiencing movies has pro proliferated, um, uh, more and more movies have been made. So the cost of making a movie these days is much less than it was in 1948. Oh, sure. In fact, it's a lot less than it was in 1998. Absolutely. <laughs> because of <laughs> capture and digital editing of movies. So. Basically, you know, a talented artist can make a really credible movie with an iPhone, mm -hmm. which is amazing to think about. Um, it's not so much about the technology at this point. It's about one's ability to tell a compelling story. Well, the hardest thing to do is to tell a compelling story, and we know that for the, with the long history of human uh, nature. It doesn't take much technology to, to write a novel, but it takes a lot of storytelling um, skill. Mm -hmm. um, and so... Essentially, the number of compelling stories that can be entered into a market is pretty consistent um, because that's just the artist's ability to connect with an audience. And so um, we found that through since 1964, um, even though cable television was introduced, VHS tapes were introduced, DVDs were introduced, online streaming was introduced in the various ways that you can do that, Movie attendance has stayed pretty consistent through that because it's not the channels that mm -hmm. are most important to people going out to movies. It's going out to movies. Mm -hmm. sure. There are some people that are just super passionate, like yourself, and you're going to watch movies at a movie theater. You're going to watch them online. You're going to watch them <laughs> on your TV at home. You're going to watch them however uh, is most convenient. Now, now that I have watch. a newborn baby, I've been watching them wherever I can, <laughs> whenever yeah. I can, and, and, yeah, and more and more frequently. But, uh, I, with a newborn baby, I bet you have this uh, intense passion or desire, but uh, unfulfilled reality of going out, right? <laughs> oh, absolutely. That's that's uh, absolutely reality of it <laughs> so, so going to movies at movie theaters is really um, about people who are interested in a social experience people who are interested in going out people who are interested in seeing movies the way they were originally intended to be uh, experienced on a big screen in a darkened room full of strangers uh, seeing a comedy with an audience is a lot more fun than seeing a comedy by yourself in front of your TV. Oh, for sure. Uh, uh, see, seeing a comedy in a big screen with an audience is a lot more fun than seeing it at home uh, on your TV by yourself on your couch. Um, and so, um, you know, the, the proliferation of channels is, is very confusing for filmmakers. 
um, because how it, how how do I mm-hmm. get my um, audience? How do I get an audience to find what we what what I've made? And although there are some uh, um, online successes, uh, those actually happen back in the 20s and 30s and 40s with movies that get their initial release that are flop, but then they're subsequent released and they become bigger hits. Mm -hmm. Um, So I love the fact that there are additional channels that filmmakers can pitch their film in additional ways. I love the fact that some movies are going to be discovered online and that's the way they exist. But seeing movies in a movie theater um, is, is a profound psychological experience that I don't think will go away, just like going to a live concert, just like going... Um, you know, out to eat, any, any going out experience is a social experience where you're there with your fellow human beings mm-hmm. um, e- experiencing something that is profound uh, together. And uh, uh, so movies at movie theaters uh, year on a year-round basis or at a festival uh, is something that is very special, very unique, and I think will continue forever, as will watching things at home or watching things on your phone as, as, and, or watching things on your computer. It's an and situation, not an or. It's not going to be something yes. that replaces. Exactly. Russ, I think you covered it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that was the definitive answer. <laughs> that was awesome. That. I'm going to just play that whenever anybody brings up the streaming thing. I'm just going to play that audio back to them. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, so, you have that on loop here at the theater. <laughs> there you go. Uh, yeah, Kate fell asleep there briefly <laughs> as I was talking. No, I'm up. I got it. <laughs> she went out to a movie right then when that happened. Yeah. No. Um. So you know this festival, of course. Uh. You know, talk to, talk about how people can find out about more about the Cinetopia uh, Film Festival, where they can go. Um. I love that it's located in in Detroit, in Southeast Michigan. Uh, as we all know, Detroit is in a resurgence. Um, people that live here know that. Um, people from outside, maybe not so much. And I think that festivals like this really bring a, a more of a spotlight to the Detroit area and what's going on here. Uh, but just if you could just briefly tell people where to go or how to find stuff and, and how to get uh, involved in Cinetopia. Well, first thing, our, the most up-to-date information will always be on our website, cinetopiafestival.org, um, or on our Facebook page, which is really easy to find okay. as well. Um, Cinetopia Film Festival in Michigan, um, but really we're at, we're starting in on Thursday. We're at Michigan Theater at Lord Hall in Ann Arbor, and then also and starting on Friday we're at the Henry Ford, the Arab American National Museum, then traveling over to the Maple, then also going to the Detroit Institute of Arts College for Creative Studies, Charles H. Wright Museum of African American History, Cinema Detroit. Um, you, any one of those places starting pretty much this this week will have a lot of volunteers. They'll have I'll be there. Russ will be there. We'll have a lot of Cinetopia representatives that would be willing and love to have a conversation with people that are wanting to learn a little bit more. But obviously, the, the website is the, the give you the most up-to-date information. That's cinetopiafestival.org. And just note yep. that there's there's going to be a lot of filmmakers around. Um, Lynn Novick. There was a New York Times article about the Vietnam War, the the documentary that Lynn Novick and Ken Burns put together mm-hmm. about that very uh, difficult time in in the United States and the scars that have been left by that. Um, and Lynn Novick's going to be showing excerpts from that 18 episode, 18 hour long. Um, uh, piece that have been put together on the Vietnam War. That's going to happen at the DIA on Friday the 9th. Um, on the on the uh, on the 10th, uh, we have a Symphony in D, which is a uh, um, an, an event. Uh, it's a documentary film that was put together about this Pulitzer Prize-winning composer's work that he wrote for the the Detroit Symphony, which includes 
symphonic musicians, but it also literally includes the sound of Detroit. He went mm -hmm. around and captured wow. the sounds of Detroit and integrated those into a composition, a fascinating piece, a fascinating documentary. Both those those will be at the DIA. Uh, Steve James, the director of Hoop Dreams, is going to be here as part wow. of the uh, Makers and Mavericks Symposium that focuses on Ira Deutschman. Um, uh, and we've got um, uh, a, a lot of uh, folks from the film Tribal Justice and a lot of justices that are going to be here as well. Um, the uh, producer of, of McLaren, uh, Fraser Brown, is going to be here uh, on June the 2nd at the Henry Ford. And, and every film is going to have somebody there to introduce it, to put it in context. Many times it's the filmmaker or someone involved uh, with the making of the film that will be there. There's going to be some fun things. There's going to be a, a, a Don Giovanni Rocky Horror Picture Show event uh, in Detroit um, that, take, that, that is, takes place on the 9th. So set aside your whole evening for that uh, because you're going to get an opera performed in the Rocky Horror Picture style. And then you're going to see the Rocky Horror Picture Show, party. movie, so it's a party for sure. Um, and 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 you know, pick up a festival guide if you uh, go to one of the venues. They're also kind of distributed throughout uh, southeastern Michigan. But go to the website; that's the best place to to go check it out. And uh, there's going to be a lot of uh, newspaper coverage as well as there already has been. Well, Ross, uh, Caitlin, this was a real thrill for me to get to talk to both of you about this. Um, I'm more excited now than I was at the beginning of the podcast even, and I was excited at the beginning of the podcast. So, That's great um, to hear, Tom. Yeah, <laughs> Cinetopia is coming at you soon, and again, I appreciate both your time. Good luck in uh, the rest of your preparation leading up to this festival, and I hope it's a huge success. Thank you Thank so you. much. We'll see you at the festival. Yeah, yeah. see you at the festival. Sounds great. Thank you, guys. So there you have it, my uh, interview with Russ Collins and Caitlin Drizwecki of the Cinetopia Film Festival. Again, I urge you to check it out. It's uh, June 1st to June 11th. That's the film festival, and I, of course, hope you enjoyed that interview. So uh, moving forward, just a quick little preview as to uh, what to expect next week on the podcast. Uh, I'm going to be bringing another interview your way. It's going to be with a duo again. It's going to be uh, documentary filmmaker... Lynn Novick, and also producer Sarah Botstein. Uh, they are, again, the filmmaker and producer on a new epic series called The Vietnam War. Uh, it's brought to us by Ken Burns, who is also a, a Michigan native. And uh, The Vietnam War is, is like a 10-part, it's like an 18-hour, just uh, looks amazing. It's like a PBS uh, miniseries coming out later this fall. Uh, and it's just one. Of, it's going to be one of the more in-depth looks at the Vietnam War that has ever been, you know, dedicated to film. Speaking of film and referencing back to the Cinetopia Film Festival, uh, they're going to be debuting uh, some footage of the Vietnam War series at the Cinetopia Film Festival on Friday, June 9th. So we're going to be talking to them next week ahead of that, and uh, that should be really cool. So I hope you join me next week to talk about that. And then in theaters this weekend, uh, it's the big release of Wonder Woman. That's the, the big DC comic movie. Uh, highly anticipated. People were very fearful of it after Batman v Superman uh, was a bomb, both critically and uh, at the box office, really, if you count, you know, depending on what they were projecting anyway. And uh, yeah, early reviews are good on Wonder Woman. But did I like it? Did you like it? We'll talk about it next week. That opens Friday. 
It's a big week for superheroes because there's another big superhero movie opening up, uh, Captain Underpants, the first epic movie. That's an animated film from DreamWorks. It comes out this Friday based on the popular children's book series. And then also uh, there's a smaller movie coming out uh, about a real-life superhero to some. Uh, Brian Cox is uh, portraying the, the famous British Prime Minister Winston Churchill in the new film Churchill. So those movies are all coming at you this weekend. And uh, check them out, and let's talk about them on the podcast next week. So that'll do it for this edition. I do appreciate you joining me. Again, I uh, encourage you to check this out. Download the podcast on Podbean and also on iTunes. You can follow my work, both for Survivor coverage and uh, my movie coverage, uh, at Tom Santilli on Twitter and at my website, TomSantilli.com. And uh, again, I, I appreciate you joining me. Let's build this thing. Let's have some fun. Let's talk some movies and let's talk some Survivor. Uh, Tom Santilli, out. We'll see you next week.